morning. Yeah, I normally will holler great hay campers, but I'm not going to do that this morning. Huh? Some of you know me from Verdugal Pines, and I'm known as Papa John up there, but uh, I'm known as John down the hill. So there you go. We're going to be uh, uh, speaking out of Ephesians chapter 4 uh, this morning. Ephesians chapter 4. There's a verse I want to end up uh, maybe quoting just to begin with here. It says, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed away and all things have become new. Old things have passed away. The old way of thinking, the old, my old lifestyle, and new ways of thinking have taken place in my head, in my mind. I am thinking different thoughts than I did before. If any man be in Christ, being in Christ, he is a new creation. I'm not going to be speaking today to those that do not have Christ. If you're not in Christ... Um, I would encourage you to listen and see the benefits and the blessings that are for those that are, are in Christ. But this message here pertains to those that are in Christ, those that have that new creation. If you're not in Christ, you're going to try to live these lifestyles that you're going to end up seeing in, in Ephesians chapter 4, and you're going to be frustrated. You're not going to have the power to be able to achieve these things. Because you don't have Christ living in you. But I want you to see the blessings that are there for those that are in Christ. Let's go ahead and, and read Ephesians chapter 4. And uh, one of the things I have on, the, uh, on our blackboard, it's a whiteboard outside the kitchen uh, in, in the uh, dining hall up there. It is this verse here. Uh, Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 1, I think it goes through 3, but it says, it says, I therefore, a prisoner of the Lord, beseech you, or I beg you, I plead with you, to have a walk worthy of the calling to which you've been called, with lowliness, gentleness, long-suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of of the spirit and the bond of peace. He says, I beg you to have a walk that is worthy of this calling to what you've been called. You know, one of the things, uh, he starts out and he says, as a prisoner of the Lord. And this is how Paul starts this thing. You know, and there's some that uh, we have seen that Paul ends up coming in and says, I am a bondservant, I'm a servant of the Lord. And he, and he kind of presents his, his talk based upon him being a servant or a bondservant. And a bondservant, we know somebody that got an all put through his ear, you know, and he says, I am going to serve this person out of my heart, out of my love for my master. I'm not going to serve that person because of the money I get. I'm not going to serve that person because of, of what he's going to give me or, or if he's going to beat me if I don't. I'm going to serve him because I love him. And Paul was saying, I am a bondservant of the Lord. I choose to serve the Lord. But here he's talking about being a prisoner of the Lord. And we know that Paul, when he wrote this, he was in prison. When he was in Rome, he was in prison when he wrote this, this passage here. And he says, I am a prisoner of the Lord. 
He didn't say, you know, because of Rome, I am in prison. He didn't say, because of the Jews didn't like what I was saying, so they had me put in prison. He didn't say, because of the politics of the day, he didn't, I'm, I'm a prisoner because of the politics. He said, I am a prisoner of the Lord. He didn't say, because of his circumstances or because of my personal actions that I became a prisoner of the Lord. I am a prisoner of the Lord because he called me to be a prisoner. You know, there's some of us, we get into circumstances of the day. We feel imprisoned by either our health or by a loss in our life. And we end up saying, I'm a prisoner of circumstances. I'm a prisoner of what the culture is doing to me. And we look at the culture around, we look at the politics around us, and we say, I'm a prisoner of this. And we have a choice how we're going to respond to the things that come into our life, the circumstances that come into our life. And we can say, I'm either a prisoner of circumstances or I'm a prisoner of the Lord because this is where he has called me. Um, and it deals a lot with the, the, the providence of God, knowing all. I, I, uh, some of you had met my dad before he passed. Uh, he was 97 when he passed, but uh, he was about 95 years old when this took place. But he would go visit my mom on a regular basis, and he would go down. And if you're familiar with the Riverside area, there's a street called Yerupa. There's not many streets that have that kind of a weird spelling name. But in Riverside, there's three of them. You know, and why would you have three different streets named Yerupa? Well, anyway, my dad would drive down, and he would go visit my mom, and he, he knew his way because he had done that for many times. He's getting older, and you, you kind of get set in your ways. This is the road I go, and I turn here, you know, at the, at the big tree on the left, you know, and, and you know where you're going. Well, my brother and I was talking to Dad and said, you know what, Dad, you're going an awful long way out of the way. You know, they have a new road that kind of cuts straight across, you know, and if you take this road, you're going to cut down the time, and you're not going to be on the busy roads, you know, it'd be better for you to go that route. And so my dad, of course, you know, he says, well, I don't know, I, I'm kind of used to going this way. And we said, Dad, really, try this other direction. I mean, you, you know, be safer, it's a lot quieter roads and stuff, and so... Of course, he has to please his son, so he goes down these other side streets. But he crosses Yerupa. But it wasn't the right Yerupa. And he knows he's supposed to turn left on Yerupa. And so he turns left on Yerupa. But he ends up going all the way out into San Bernardino. Fontana is, is the outskirts of San Bernardino there, and it was a real bad neighborhood. And... Uh, and, of course, he's trying to call us on the phone, and his phone goes dead. So now his cell phone is dead. He's 95 years old. It's about 9.30, 10 o'clock at night. It's getting pretty close to 11 o'clock at night. And he's saying to himself, he says, The Lord has chose me to be in this area at this time of night for some reason. I'm going to hand out tracts. And so he gets his tracks, and he goes around, and he starts handing out tracks on the street in a, in a really shoddy neighborhood down in, in uh, San Bernardino, Fontana area. 
And there was somebody that uh, had sense enough in a store, you know, they kind of got on his phone, he couldn't call out, but they could see some numbers on there. So that person inside the store started calling and said, hey, there's, a, there's an older gentleman out here, he's handing out tracks. I don't know if this is the right neighborhood for him to be in. And he got hold of us and, and we were able to go out and bail him out and get him back there. But he didn't look at it as this is something terrible. He looked at the circumstances around him and says, this is where God has me. I don't know why that I am in this position in life, but this is where God has me. I know later on in his life, uh, he was also uh, saying, man, I, I used to be able to do this and that, and I, I can't do it anymore. My health won't allow me to do it. He told me one time, and I kind of chuckled. He says, he says, John, there's a, he was 85 at the time. He says, John, there's a 25-year-old man stuck inside of this 85-year-old body. You know, and I, I had to chuckle. You know, yeah, right, you know, I didn't let him know that I was trying to, but I feel it now. You know, I'm, I'm 65. What I did, I, as we had some roofs that were going bad at the camp, and I started going up and down the ladders, you know, carrying shingles up the roofs, and, and all of a sudden my knees aren't doing I said, no, I used to be able to do that. I can continue doing this, and, I, and my knees started swelling up, and I go, wait. Wait a minute, what? I, I can't do this. And the guy that was working with me, I said, you know what? You're going to have to do this on your own. I'm, I'm done. And my knees started swelling up, and it's been a couple weeks here. I haven't been able to move like I used to. But my mind was, you've heard it said, my mind was writing checks that my body couldn't cash. You know, I, I, I was trying to do something that it is not where God has me today. He has me in some circumstances today. I don't know why I'm here, but I know God has called me to this point in my life. And, and I know if I am following him, I am going to be able to bless the people around me. My dad also said, he says, my job, right now, boy, I'm getting emotional here. He says, my job is to finish well. That is what God has called me to do, is to finish well. Anyway, let's get off the dad thing right now. Get me emotional here. All right. Um, so anyway, we end up seeing he's a prisoner of the Lord. He ends up saying, I have been called to be imprisoned. I have been called to be um, uh, confined to this particular area. And God, we can look back now and we can end up saying, wow, if he wasn't in prison, we wouldn't have the epistles that we do today. We can look back. But you think Paul knew that at the time? Uh, he didn't. He's saying, man, I'm stuck. You know, I'm useless. I'm broken. And maybe that's how some of us feel today. He saw it as a being ordained prisoner. He says, walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. Where have you been called today? Let's walk in a manner worthy of that. You know, whenever I see that, I read that particular verse, there's two questions that come to mind. The first question is this, what is my calling? And the second question is, what does walking worthy look like in this particular calling? 
And I think Paul ends up trying to answer that. We're going to jump back just a little bit, back to that um, verse 1 again. He says, I therefore, as a prisoner of the Lord, and you all have heard this said, you know, if you hear, see the word therefore, you've got to look to see what it's there for. And so what we're going to end up doing, we're going to look back in Ephesians chapter 1 here, and we're going to start back a little bit in Ephesians chapter 1, and we're going to end up seeing what the therefore was there for. And he's talking about uh, being spiritual blessing. I told Danny today, I said, I don't know if I'm, I'm going to be able to read this without my glasses, so you're going to have to bear with me. With my, I don't know if I can see you as well as I can see my Bible here. Uh, let's look at verse 3 here. Uh, Ephesians chapter 1, verse 3 says, Blessed be God and the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has blessed us with every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places, uh, in heavenly places in Christ. He says, I've given you every spiritual blessing that you're going to need to be able to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which I've been called, I, that I've called you. You know, there's a lot of times we want to end up stopping. We say, I'm, I'm not as spiritual as some of those other people. In the breaking of bread, we, you know, you have an unction to be able to stand up and share something. You say, well, wait a minute, I'm not as spiritual as some of these other people. I'm going to remain silent. You know, I, there's other people that are going to be able to reach that person, but I'm going to remain silent because I don't have the spiritual insight that I need. And we shut ourselves down because we don't feel that we have that spiritual insight. God says, I have given you every spiritual blessing. Stand up and speak. You got that neighbor. Stand up and speak. Uh, I used to have these different people come by and knock on my door, you know, and want to want to tell me about the end of the world and that sort of thing, you know, and I, I just say, oh, I don't have time for you and shut the door. And I finally come to the point, well, why am I doing that? God has given me the ability to answer everything that I need to answer. I know the truth. There might be times that I'm going to have to say, you know, I don't know the answer to that. But let me tell you what Christ has done for me. Share what you can. God has given you every spiritual blessing. Let's, let's uh, read on here. It says in heavenly places. So we're going to end up knowing that we have some of these things that are yet to come. But let's, uh, let's read on. It says... Just as he has chosen us in him before the foundations of the world, that we should be holy and without blame in him, uh, in love, having predestined us to the adoption of sons uh, by Jesus Christ to himself, according to the good pleasure of his will, to the praise and glory of his grace, by which he has made us accepted in the beloved uh, there's three things that I want to end up pointing out here right at the beginning chapters here is we have been chosen by him. So you did not choose me, but I chose you. Did you know that God chose you? There's sometimes we'll end up looking and say, wow, he, I know why he chose me because I am so good looking, you know. I know why he chose me, because of all of my abilities. You know, that's why God chose me. Now, you know what? He chose me because of, of um, uh, my intellect, what I could do for him. Boy, was I a great catch for God. No. That's not why he chose you. 
He chose you for the glory of his grace. He says, I can take an arrogant nothing and turn them into a humble something. He chose me because I didn't have the ability. He chose me because I was nothing. And to show the power of his grace, he's going to take a nothing and make him a something. You know what? Uh, we see a couple different other places as far as him choosing us. Um, what we want? Let's, let's look back at um, let's look back at Peter real quick here. Peter, First uh, Peter, and we're going to go to um, chapter two. First Peter chapter two, and um, let's look at, at verse five. It says, you also, as living stones, being built up a spiritual house, a holy priesthood, to offer spiritual sacrifices acceptable to God through Jesus Christ. He says, you are a holy priesthood. I chose you to be a priest. I chose you to be able to bring honor and worship and glory to me. I chose you, the nothing, the donkey that can't speak, to speak. I chose you, the nothing, to be a priest, to bring worship to me. Let's look at, down at verse 9. So we, are, we see that we're a priest to God, uh, uh, to God. And then let's look at verse 9 here. It says, but you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation. Uh, his special people, uh, that you may proclaim the praises of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. He says, I have chosen you as a, a royal priesthood to other people, to proclaim to other people. So I've chosen you as a priest to God, and I've chosen you as a priest for God. I've chosen you as a representative of me. And Paul is saying here, because of all these things, walk in a manner worthy of a priest. Walk in a manner worthy of an ambassador. Somebody that represents the King of kings, the Lord of lords. I want you to walk in a manner worthy of this calling. He says, I've chosen you. Here, we go on down here. Look, look at verse, uh, let's go back to uh, Ephesians chapter 1. Look at verse 7. He says, in him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sin according to the riches of his grace. We're redeemed. We've been redeemed. And, and this morning at the breaking of bread, we kind of went over some of the different things, uh, the attributes of God, what it cost the Father to send his Son. It, it's not talking about redeeming me. It's not about me. It's about what it costs the Father. It's about what it costs Jesus it is the value of the sacrifice, of the, how much he paid. Are you worth it? 
if we look at ourselves and we turn around and look at Jesus and say, he died for me. Was it a good purchase on his part? No. It wasn't. He says, because you were redeemed by the precious blood of Christ. He says, walk in a manner worthy of being redeemed by the precious blood of Christ. We should have a different perspective. Hey, you know, as, as growing up as a kid, you know, we hear, um, you know, the spotless lamb of God. And I, I love that term. But in my mind, it's, it's just a lamb. You know, I, I watered it down, the value of the sacrifice. That is one reason I really enjoy having a, a remembrance feast on a weekly basis. A continual reminder of what it costs the Father and what it costs the Son. I've been redeemed, and I should walk in a manner worthy of being redeemed. Let's let's. Uh, Go on here a little bit. Let's see uh, verse 13 here, and we're going to end up uh, trying to pick up the pace here a little bit. And it says, um, in him uh, you also trusted and heard from the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom, having believed, you were sealed by the Holy Spirit of promise. Uh, let's read on 14. Who, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption and the purchase uh, possession. Here he says you were chosen, you were redeemed, and here it says you were sealed by the Holy Spirit. What we're, it, whenever we were sealed by the Holy Spirit, he says, I'm going to give you the power. The Holy Spirit is a comforter. He's going to be an encourager. He's going to come into us. He's going to give us the power to be able to walk in this manner worthy of the calling to which we've been called. He says, you don't have an excuse not to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. But he says, I sealed it. I guaranteed that all these things that I've told you in Scripture are true because you got the Holy Spirit. I'll tell you what, um, there's times that I will end up um, trying to participate in my favorite sin. And you guys all have one yourself. And you say, well, I know I shouldn't, but I look to the left and look to the right. And nobody's looking, and, but I have the Spirit of God. And the Spirit of God is the one that convicts you of sin. The Spirit of God is the one that, that says, come on, John, let's not don't go down that road. The Spirit of God, because of the Spirit of God, walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. You've been sealed. Now, Ephesians goes over several different types of walk. And he, and he talks, and there's about seven different walks here in Ephesians. And I don't know if, it, and I, I was kind of looking this over preparing for this message. I thought, wow, this in here would be a, 
a great series to kind of go through and, and talking about the different types of walk that we should be walking. Now, I don't know what they went over during boys camp, but he talked about walking in a uh, safari type thing. Now, I don't know if he went over some of these Ephesians, he probably touched on some of these Ephesian passages, but I, I would like to end up getting his booklet and kind of going through some of that. But here it talks about walking worthy, and, and a walk is an act uh, that is uh, adequate to the position that we're in. He says, I want you to act in a way that where you've been called. You've been called a child of the king. Now, how would a child of the king walk? You know, we've been called as ambassadors or representatives of the king of kings, Lord of lords, the creator of the universe. We've been called to act in a, in a right manner. You've been chosen, redeemed, sealed that we talked about. You're to bring, bring glory to the one uh, that has bought us. Uh, the, the portion in Corinthians, and maybe we will take the time to go to this, Corinthians chapter 6 here, says you've been bought with an aquata, you've been bought with a price, so glorify God in your body. Your body is not your own. Christ bought it. Now act, cause your body to end up acting in a manner that is worthy your calling. Okay, so we see this walk that is worthy. Um, we see another one here in four, uh, chapter 4, verse 17. Let's go to, um, back to Ephesians chapter 4 and look at verse 17. It says, uh, this I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord uh, that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk in the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of their ignorance uh, that is in them. Uh, I had a, uh, I took a, he says, you're trying to act like the world. You're trying to look like the world. He says, walk in a manner that doesn't look like the world. I remember I, I had a neighbor that I was trying to uh, uh, evangelize, and, and I, said, I said, hey, um, you know, at Disneyland, they have this night of joy, and, and they're going to have all these Christian artists. You need to come out, and, you know, and there was one guy I wanted to really hear, but before him, they had another group on. I don't know the name of the group, but they had these, like, yellow spandex suits on, you know? And they're going to sing this Christian song, and, and it went like this. I got that feeling. I got that funky, funky feeling. I got that feeling, feeling, funky, funky feeling. Jesus. And he kind of looked at me, and I looked at him, and I, I just had to hang my head. This was somebody that was trying to be like the world but if you put the name Jesus at the end, now it's a Christian song. You know, and, and I was thinking, oh man, how embarrassing. You know, this, he was, they were trying to be like the world. What this guy needed to see is somebody that is different from the world. And yet we try to be as much like the world as we can. And we think that we're going to win people to Christ because we look so much like the world. That is wrong. He says, I want you to, uh, I, I don't want you to walk like the Gentiles. I want you to be different. 
He says, walk in a manner that is worthy of your calling. We see another one. Look down at uh, chapter 5 and verse 2. Well, let's go up to verse 1. Chapter 5, verse 1. It says, therefore, be imitators or be followers of God as dear children. He's saying, mimic, mimic him and walk in love as Christ also has loved us. To walk in love. You know, it says, this is my commandment, that you love one another. A lot of times we stop there, but it says, as I have loved you. Love one another as I have loved you. Can you look at the love of Christ and say, I have that type of love even for my spouse. I have that type of love for my my neighbor. I have that type of love for some of these arrogant people, um, for the saints here in the chapel. Uh, Bob Irvine used to say, uh, to live above with saints I love, oh, that will be glory. But to live below with saints I know, now that's another story. You know, He's saying, it's hard for me to love one another here. Boy, that person just does not act the way I think they should be acting. You know, it says whenever we were enemies against Christ, he says God sent his son to die for us. When we see these people that are hard to get along with, you say, thank you, Lord. Let me, let me see if I can practice acting as you would act. To love as you would love. To cry with those that are crying instead of telling them to get up and suck it up and move on. We need to end up, like, there's a lot of times we'll end up looking at uh, uh, Corinthians 13, 1 Corinthians 13, known as the love chapter. Be kind one to another. Um, and it talks about, um, oh yeah, boy, I'll tell you, you got me on that one. Here, uh, you know, to be patient, be kind, bearing all things, endures all things. Wow. Let me ask your wife or let me ask your husband how you're doing on that one. You know, I have a hard time bearing with one another. What does it mean to bear with one another? It's bearing one another's burdens, but it is also putting up with one another and to loving on them. I had a... Um, and I think I brought it up once before, and I, I hate to share dirty laundry, but you know we had some different staff members here uh, a couple years ago that ended up saying, I'd say, hey, you know, they're having problems with one another. I said, hey, we, you know, we're commanded to love one another. And they say, I love them, I just don't like them. <laughs> Have you ever felt that way? I love them, I just don't like them. I have to really question the depth of that love. You know, a love wants to spend time with that person. A love, you know, you cry, you're hurt because of this. Not because I want to spend, stay away from them. You want to spend time with that person. And, and I don't know if 
that is really love down inside of us. I think we need to become very introspective and say, do I really love that person? And I really believe that God brings individuals into our lives to help develop us in that love uh, portion of our lives that we have a hard time loving them. Uh, my son has a neighbor that is uh, very unlovable. And it's easy for me as a dad to end up saying, yeah, they shouldn't treat you that way. Yeah, and jump on the bandwagon. I say, no, no, wait a minute. How have we showed them that we love them? Oh, dad, you don't understand. Well, yeah, I, I'm not there. But how do we show somebody that is, that is unbearable love? It uh, says to walk in love. There was one other point I wanted to end up bringing up here at this Love part. Let's, uh, now we're talking about Ephesians here, right? Uh, this is Paul's letter to the Ephesians. And, he, and earlier in the chapter, in chapter 1, he says, I want to commend you for the love that you're showing one another. I don't cease to pray for you because of that. But let's look at Re Revelation chapter 2. And this is, this is what John's saying about the, the people at Ephesians. Let's, let's read this one on. He says, um, chapter 2, we're just going to look at uh, verse, uh, well, we're going to read down just a few verses here. It says, to the angel of the church at Ephesus writes, uh, these things says he who holds the seven stars uh, in his right hand and who walks in the midst of the seven golden stands, I know your works, your labor, your patience, and that you cannot bear those who are evil. And you have tested those who say they are apostles and are not, and have found them as liars. And you have preserved uh, and have patience and have uh, labored for my name's sake, and you have not become weary. Boy, that sounds like a commendation, doesn't it? You are doing everything right. Verse uh, 4 gives up. Nevertheless... I have this against you, that you've lost your first love. This is Ephesians that he, they, Paul commended for their love for one another. But to hold on to these truths, to hold on to these, you know, I found things doctrinally right or wrong. And we haven't shown love. I have this against you. Ephesus, you did everything right, but you didn't love. Here he's saying, walk in love. This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. Uh, I remember as a kid, I, uh, I stood up, and I'm, I was getting myself all psyched up here. I'm I'm going to give thanks for the bread here, Lord. I, I don't want to stumble. I'm going to need, need to give, you know, I'm going to give thanks for the cup. I'm going to give thanks for the cup. Yeah. You know, and the Lord brought some different things in my mind, how I was going to give thanks for the cup. And I remember in breaking bread, my hands were sweaty, and I was, well, the first time I was going to stand up, and I stood up, and I gave thanks for the cup. And I sat down, and nobody got up to pass the cup. I'm thinking, what, did, did I say something wrong? Did, did I not pray the right prayer? What happened here? And then somebody got up and gave thanks for the bread. 
And they passed the bread, and then somebody got up and gave thanks for it. I go, oh, man, I got it out of sequence. I did it wrong. And, um, and I remember there were some that came up to me and said, oh, you know, I'm sorry about that, Johnny. You know, I was younger at the time. They didn't call me Papa John. They called me Johnny, you know, and, and, uh, you know, I, and I was almost devastated. And it almost took another year or two before I stood up again because I didn't do it the right way. And I started thinking, what, what did I do? You know, my heart was right, and I really believe this is what the Lord had me do. You know, sometimes we can become very judgmental on some others because we have the right knowledge of the way things are supposed to be done. And we can offend some and not showing love. I, I don't know if anybody even... I, I think if some of my friends came up and kind of pat me on the back, but, uh, you know, nobody else did. And I was thinking, wow, what, what was wrong here? But guys, we got to do a self-check. we got to end up saying, am I communicating the love of Christ in this situation? All right, I, I probably shouldn't even share that one. I don't know where I went on that one. All right, uh, here we see in 5, uh, verse 8, chapter 5, verse 8 of Ephesians, and I get back there real quick. Um, Five and verse eight here. Um, It says, uh, for you were once in darkness, but now you are light uh, in the Lord. Walk as children of light. I was going to go to John 3 uh, and uh, some of the portions there. I know my brother, Tim, and some of you know my brother, Tim. But Tim, whenever he was, uh, whenever we were younger, he liked to sleep with a nightlight on. You know, and I wanted it off. We shared a room, and he would say, John, you know that man loves darkness rather than light because his deeds are evil. And so he, he convicted me to the point that I, I had to leave that nightlight on in our room. Uh, but here, uh, it, it talks in John 3, it says, he says, you look for the darkness, you look to end up uh, where nobody's looking, where nobody can see, for you to end up practicing some of your favorite sins. And sometimes we ought to end up, we got to end up looking at doing that self-check. It says, God, oh God, see us me. You know, we got the Spirit of God living in And we need to walk as children of light. Now, the light also, we see in that John 3, is exposes sin. And so even us living our lives in a right ethical manner, we're going to expose what is wrong. Uh, I know as a, uh, when I worked in a print shop, uh, Nothing against school districts, but I was working for a school district, and I had all these other guys that were working. I got a job in there, and I, I started working. I, I had outproduced them on the the printing. I was outproducing them. You know, all the, the, there's four other pressmen there, but they take my numbers and everybody else's, and I would double everybody else's put together. And a guy came up to me and he says, he says, now John, he says. Um, 
you know, you're not going to get anywhere by working that hard. He says, I'm going to get a raise before you do because I've been here longer. You know, and, and, and truthfully, the only thing you're doing is making everybody else look bad. So it would probably be good for you to slow down. What do you think that did to me? <laughs> Man, I'm going to kick it up more. You know, I'm going to show him. But you know what happened? He got a raise before me. You know, he got promoted before me because he'd been there longer. It had nothing to do with production. And I got to a point in my life, you know, I worked there for a couple years, but I, I, you know, there are breaks, you know, they take a break instead of being a 15-minute break in the morning. You know, that 15-minute break was a half hour, maybe even an hour, they sit around and talk. You know, and I say, well, I'm going to make sure my breaks are only 15 minutes long, you know. But boy, day after day, you know, and the lunch breaks would go on. And I'm going, wow, you know, I, am I starting to slow down because of this? Why am I working hard? It's because I'm working as unto the Lord. I'm working with the ethics that he's talking about here, being salt and light. You need to be operating out of integrity because it is the right thing to do, not because it's a comfortable thing to do. And we need to be operating in our lives to be salt and light, not to fit into them. And I could see after a couple of years, I never did get to that point, but I could, I could tell my 15-minute breaks were 20, you know, and, and my lunch break, you know, I, I'll make it up later. You know, and I could see it was starting to change me. I said, I've got to leave. I can't stay here because it's changing who I am and who the Lord wants me to be. Sometimes we need to take the hard stand. And we say, I cannot uh, water down the integrity that God wants to be. Be salt and light to be light. Here, um, chapter 5, and this in here, I'll, I'll stop with this in here. Uh, but this in here is, uh, I really like this in here. Uh, verse 15, it says, See that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise redeeming the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be unwise in your understanding what is the will of the Lord. He says, walk circumspectly. Now, that's a $20 word. How do you walk circumspectly? He's talking about walking carefully or walking, um, considering every step that you take. Do you consider every step that you take, or do you go into automotive, uh, an automatic type thing? I know there's times I'll drive down the street, and I'll think, did I stop at that stop sign back there? You know, I, I can't remember, you know? And sometimes I do it out of habit. Yes, I stopped, but it, it was out of habit. It wasn't I was considering everything as I went. But he's saying, walk circumspectly, considering every step. Before I say this, I need to check that in my mind. Lord, would you have me keep my mouth shut? Or would you have me say something? To walk circumspectly is checking everything out. One of the things that really irritate our staff up there at camp is I will end up saying this. I'll say, do you think it matters to God whether, what color shirt do you wear today? And of course they say no. You know, God doesn't care what color shirt I wear. I said, what if you were down in L.A., would you wear a blue one or a red one? You know, well, you know, there I would kind of go, well, 
you know what? God doesn't really care. You know what? But God cares that you care what he thinks. And so you end up saying, you know what? This seems to be a no-brainer, but Lord, what would you have me do? You know, I'm going to ask the Lord, do you want me to do this or not? In everything. To walk circumspectly is to check with him on everything you do. Every little step. I want to walk circumspectly. Walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you've been called. I love that verse. But I have to end up knowing where I've been called. Uh, let's commit this time to the Lord. Um, but there's a lot more I'd encourage you to get back in Ephesians and look at all the different walks that you're supposed to be walking. Uh, but the Spirit of God has given you the power to be able to achieve in those areas of life. Let's commit it to the Lord. Father, we want to thank you for choosing us. Wow, uh, it is, I can't understand why you would choose me. But uh, Lord, we want, I want to end up walking in a manner that is going to end up honoring you in everything I do. I want to walk in a circumspectful manner. I want, to, I want to be able to please you in everything I do and I say. Father, we commit ourselves into your care at this time. In the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, amen.